Good morning, and welcome to episode 49 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Now, you know what 49 means. That means 50 is next, and that's kind of a big deal. I've got an awesome guest lined up for our 50th episode with an amazing conversation. But first, I've got a stellar guest right here for episode 49. So let's talk about that. Today, my guest is Candy Brophy from Melbourne, Australia. Candy is a riot, a ton of fun to talk to, so easy to talk to, and she has some awesome things to share. Candy is passionate about women designers and women inventors and the amazing things that they've created and brought to this world. She tells us some stories and some things that were invented by women that I didn't even know about, and a couple I did. Candy also shares the moment as a child when she lost faith in Santa Claus. She tells us about that story. It's a little bit heartbreaking because I'm a lover of Santa and Christmas. And that may not sound design related, but you know what? It's part of her story and I think it is. So you'll like it. I know you will. And to tease that, just one word. He-Man. That's right. He-Man. Me and Candy also talk about great marketing and packaging in the 1980s. Yeah, the 1980s. It was a good time, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to this one. The super awesome, super kind Candy Brophy. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Candy. How are you? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for being on the podcast. I'm not this well. I'm lying. I'm tired. <laughs> I appreciate the effort and the answer, anyways. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you're ready to go, I'm going to dive right into the interview here. Cool, cool. All right. Well, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. I am Candy. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I am. 38, so like really old. Um, <laughs> I'm a senior creative manager for a national retail chain, but I'm mm-hmm. currently on maternity leave, which is allowing me to do freelance and just have fun again. I'm discovering that I I do actually like design when someone's not holding my mouse and telling me to make ugly things. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's really good. It's It's been um, a great time and from creating all of this stuff, I'm sort of getting a lot of people interested in, you know, what I'm naturally, you know, drawn to and good at, I guess, because, you know, they're not seeing the compromised things that get created for a wage, which is good. Mm-hmm. So you got basically full creative freedom to create what you want within, you know, customers' expectations. Yeah, yeah. And the stuff that I just do for my own sake, like just mock-ups, I can just, you know, just, you know, wander through the stupidity and it's nonsensical. The color doesn't match the word. It doesn't matter. I can do whatever I like. Yeah, it's really exactly. Fun. It's for you. You're the customer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very sound of music running on a hill, just being so happy. <laughs> yeah. And that's great because I saw your artwork on Instagram and that's when I reached out to you and I said, your work is amazing. So you're just killing it on Instagram. Uh-huh. 
thank you very much. It's um, it's been fun. It's it's ne- I've never ever shared my stuff, and I, I kind of thought, you know what? I'm nearly forty. What am I waiting for? Who cares? Someone says, oh, I don't like it. Some guy like, you know, sent me messages about one of my things, and I'm just like, you get trolls for your designs. I'm just like, who cares? Like. <laughs> Yeah, people are going to say what they're going to say. It doesn't matter what they think. I get more love than hate, so that's good. (laughs) Good. That's a good thing then. Um, So going even further back, what was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood? And what made it that way? Um, Childhood was very interesting. It was sort of, I don't know, very early 80s. I was born in 1980. So it was the, the sort of marketing mecca. That time was just, you know, styrofoam and ads, ads, ads and jingles. So Mm -hmm. I think I was placed in, I was a child of divorce, like those real 80s divorces that are real nasty. Mm -hmm. So I was put in front of the TV a lot and um, I love the TV. So, you know, and then Atari came out. I went to a friend's house. They had Pong. I was like, the TV moves. You can control it with this machine. This is the best (laughs) thing I've ever seen. So, yeah, it was was kind of um, torn between amazing like my grandparents were beautiful and really painful through going through all my parents stuff but um Mm. definitely creative definitely creative because of you know what you're exposed to in the 80s that the cartoons were better they weren't constantly on the packaging for the toys I feel like was better these days it's all very cutesy and and strange but Mm. back then everything was kind of inappropriate and sexual and aggressive. Like, if you look at a lot of the He-Man stuff, you're like, oh, my God, this is yeah. not really appropriate. But, um, yeah, the the 80s, the formative years were really good. And my grandparents were kind of eccentric people. Their house was like it went through the 60s and 70s and they had, like, psychedelic wallpaper and green curtains and bright orange and a purple couch with, like, white buttons. And mm-hmm. it was really stimulating. So, so who do you yeah. think was the, the biggest creative influence in your early childhood then? Definitely my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was an oil painter, but um, to get away from the women, we would be, because um, they would be in the, la- in the kitchen talking. We had a very sort of stereotypical household. It sounds mm-hmm. terrible. But I would be down the garage with him, and he thought I could do anything. He was like, just give me a hammer and... We would make things and draw things and he would show me tricks that he learned how to draw when he was little and yeah, so he's definitely my creative influence. Oh, that's a cool that's cool. Okay, I'm starting to sort of paint a picture um of of your childhood here a little bit. Um now you had mentioned packaging earlier on, you know, some yeah. of the rude packaging of the eighties. Um <laughs> take us back to when you first started noticing design or creative out in the world what did you first start seeing um definitely started with tv ads and you'd see you know a tv ad with this amazing toy and you know of course the toy is kind of crap but the ad is amazing Mm -hmm. and then your mum would take you to the shops and the packaging was amazing and then you know you would get the toy and you're like eh, it wasn't that great compared (laughs) to all the packaging and the marketing around it that was what i loved so it was like the process leading up to that. Yeah, yeah. And then you start to see that sort of marketing machines. It's always something that I've taught my son, which is kind of mean because it's taken away his sort of want for things. He never asks for things because he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know the toy will be crappy, but I love that that picture. So, <laughs> so you know, but, saying that, was there one particular ad or one specific toy that you remember really well? Uh, the He-Man toys. My There was one Christmas that 
my brother, and don't get me wrong, I still love Barbies, but hmm. I, I wanted a He-Man. Yeah, so you can love I, He-Man, that's fine. I yeah no not not my family so um I opened the he-man and you know Santa got it wrong and he got the Barbie and I was wrapped I was like Santa understands me we're on the same page and my mum of course made me swap it so I was devastated just like lost lost all faith in Santa Claus but um for that minute there but definitely the he-man packaging it would have like a little book, a little comic book, but mm-hmm. it was also like a catalogue of the toys and they would like to scale and everything was perfect. And just the colour of He-Man, it's just beautiful. Yeah, that's like, you know, again, that's early unboxing experience almost. So yeah. you open it up and you're not only getting the He-Man action figure, you're getting, you know, a little booklet that you're yep. following along and you're reading and you're excited about, but it's really just advertising more products. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's just this, it was such a Moorish little book and you wanted them all, you wanted to get more of them and put them all in a line and have them all together and sort of, and then fan them out and then put them in, you know, like a gradient. Like yeah. <laughs> I was like that sort of obsessive kid. Yep. Everything, everything had its place and I liked it a certain way. But, um, and it was never limited to, I was definitely gender limited by my mother, but my grandpa like he allowed me to collect skulls because I was interested in anatomy. Mm-hmm. So, and I liked the little holes where the nerves go through and then like the zigzags where the bones have joined. So we would go on big family trips and he would stop to get, you know, to pick up a skull. In Australia, you've got like dead kangaroos and wombats and stuff. And I never sort of thought death as something as, you know, wrong or evil. It was just a process and, mm-hmm. you know, that skeleton, you know, it's it's beautiful engineering and design and, you know, I used to have them on my wall with fairy lights going through them. <laughs> it doesn't seem very – doesn't sort of relate to Barbie, but I did love Barbie and the Rockers as well. So just an off-script question here got me thinking, um, you know, your, your day job – you're on mat leave right now, but your day job was um, design and creative for a uh, – was it a retail chain? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you, do you design ads for toys? Do you get into that sort of thing or is it just marketing no, for toys? No, uh, I desperately tried to get into – I'm one of those people like um, I feel like – and I guess there's a lot of creatives like this. The things that I'm always aiming for, I would get a setback and then I would get really – I would really go within myself and then go, oh, I won't try again. But I, I tried to get into Moose Toys and I think they were going to take me on some freelance um, a while back, but at that stage I needed full time because mm-hmm. I'm a, a grown up with kids and you know you get a mortgage. So that's it's been a little disheartening along the way, I guess. Um, mainly because of my age. So the main creative disheartening problems that I've had have been like I saw Toy Story and I was like that was a, like the pong moment going to my friend's house and seeing that. When I saw Toy Story, I was like, oh, my God, this is what I've always wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And I did um, computer-mediated art at university, and this was, like, 1998. Mm-hmm. So, And I remember, like, we just didn't have the technology in Australia to do that, and Pixar made that. So we were like, oh. it was just um, I'm always wrong time, wrong place. And, yeah, it's sort of I felt like I've just sort of been wandering around, banging into walls in the dark going, Somebody help me, show me the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I notice your excitement about, you know, your own creation. So maybe you're onto something there. 
Yeah, definitely. So what do you think has been the most influential design of your life so far? Either something that you've seen or just something you've been a part of? Um, influential design. This was the question that I struggled with. This is a question that I had the printout and I was pondering in the bath going, I just, I don't know. Um, yeah, I would say the most influential design I've seen, probably not one I've created because as soon as I create something, I never want to look at it again. I'm always <laughs> like, what's next, what's next, what's next? Yeah. But probably Atari cartridges, video gaming, those sorts of – when you look at, like, the actual Atari logo, when you look at Pong, when you look at, like, you know, Pitfall and all those, like, cool logos, and then I look at my stuff and it's like, oh, I kind of do like – you know, that sort of weighted font and, you know, the, the action lines and stuff. And that's because mm -hmm. of, you know, the sort of brainwashing that I had, but that's what I was drawn to. Yeah. And now like, now that I'm older, I'll create something and someone will say, oh, that's very Bauhaus or that's this or that's that. And I'm like, oh, I'm just designing something that I like. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed to like come out of me. So here we are. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's so, a cool one, the Atari. I can picture the logo for sure. Yeah, those sorts of those sorts of things when I was little were very um, everything was active and fast and we had these horrible helmets in the eighties called stack hats and the font kind of goes out like this and it's really sturdy. It's kind of like the He Man font, but um and I saw one at our science works. It's like a science works museum and I was like, oh stack hat, I miss my stack hat mainly for the font. Mm -hmm. So it's like I, I noticed those things, but I didn't know the word font or. You know, when you're older, you're like unboxing, but when you're a kid, you're just ripping stuff apart because you want to get to the toy. So, yeah, it's and it's hard to articulate those things these days because you're just drawn to things for the fact that you're drawn to them, mm -hmm. not because of any set reason. I've never been someone, I never want to feel manufactured, and sometimes I've got this sort of mind that I visually take photos of things. Mm -hmm. So it's like sometimes my brain screen grabs. So if I screen grab something because I like the color or I like the the sort of balance of the layout, I go out of my way to not copy it, but I'll get influence from it. But unfortunately, the photos that I take in my head, I'll create something and then I'll see someone and they've created the exact same thing. And it's it, in a way, it's comforting because you're like, oh, we're probably the same age. But then in a way, it's really disheartening because I go back to The Simpsons and Homer saying, no matter how good you are, there's always someone better. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Same thing I did. <laughs> but, you know, you pick yourself up and next design. That's why I don't like looking back. I'm like, what's next? What's next? Yeah, just keep yeah. moving forward. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Got it. So you had mentioned, um, you know, seeing another designer's work and it being similar to yours. But is yeah. there a designer or a brand that you purposely look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? Um, of course, I love Nike like specifically the swoosh and I'm sure you've seen how much I love Carolyn Davidson who mm -hmm. created the swoosh. Um, so I definitely look up to Nike. That doesn't mean that I like all of Nike's designs because they did some atrocious things in the 2000s. But just generally when they do collaborations, when someone creative grabs hold of Nike, you know, you see some amazing stuff come out. I love Acne Studios, um, you know, it, but I've never, I don't know, I love bits and pieces of things. There's a brand in Australia, I don't know if you've got it over there. It's called, um, uh, what's it called again? PE Nation? Yeah, PE Nation. Hmm. And they're really, so those women 
I think they're my age or a bit older and everything is very 80s. So it's, you know, their stuff is really cool. There's there's a lot of stuff that's sort of, you know, latte mum, but, you know, a lot of it is really like cool active stuff that, you know, you remember your tracksuit when you were a kid in the 80s, had those sort of fast lines on it and they're, they're remaking that sort of stuff but sort of refined and more contemporary and, yeah, so I think they're just kicking goals at the moment and hopefully they stay on this trajectory and don't start to cruise into the 90s and making active wear that's a bit never mind and grungy because <laughs> things will get all brown and burgundy and gross. So. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, PE Nation. That's a cool. I haven't heard of them, but I definitely want to look yeah, it up now. Yeah, look them up. Whoever's doing their graphics, like I know one of the, the women that owns it is the art director, so she seems pretty cool, but whoever's actually physically doing the graphics, they're mm-hmm. The little monkey behind the computer, you know, I want to give them a, a big high five because they're doing a great job. That's awesome. So I've got a few questions here that, um, you know, take you down sort of some of the tougher points in your career. Um, but yep. I promise I'll circle it around and end it on a high note. Yeah, yeah. So what's one of the most challenge? what has been one of the most challenging times in your design career so far? Um, why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Well, um, Probably having to work on PC was incredibly difficult. Um, I, I got a job and they said, oh, we're going to get you a Mac. And I was like, yeah. And then I had to work on this PC and it was just an awful environment that I was in. Um, and I was miserable and I had it was a real bro culture in this mm-hmm. workplace. And it, I just didn't like it. And then this amazing woman that I worked with, um, previously, but we didn't know each other. We're in different departments. Lina, um, she came in and she just got me what I needed, got me the right equipment. Was she's from like, I think she's from New York, but she's very Californian, so she's full of beans. So yeah, then she came in and sort of sort of fixed it all. But the biggest struggle I've had personally, um, she made me the um, senior creative manager, so I had people under me, and you know, suddenly I've got this title. Whereas I, I just like to make great stuff and mm-hmm. I like to mentor and I, I don't like to, to feel above anyone. I like to sort of encourage people and if they need my help, I come over and, and help what they're doing. But um, the biggest difficulty is working in a um, corporate environment because mm-hmm. I'm, as I said to you before we started the interview, I don't package my thoughts up in a palatable way for people because I feel like if you – if you think about what you're going to say for so long, then you're being disingenuous. You're not being yourself. And sometimes to be efficient, you've just got to say what you're going to say and, yeah, let's tough it out and let's move on to the next thing and then we'll do this and then we'll do that. And design can be really, um, especially if you're designing something with function, so something that, you know, it's packaging but it has to be, um, you have to be able to read it from all angles, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's a problem that you've got to solve and some people can see that as negative but you're like, you know, and Dad always says it's the German in us, but he's like, you know, you, I wrestle the problem and then I come up with solutions and then you make something pretty and you go from that whole creative thing from oh, I'm horrible, I'm so unskilled, and then you go through and you're like, I'm a genius, I'm amazing. <laughs> and, <laughs> so the problem I've had with that is other creatives get that, mm-hmm. you know, copywriters get that, um, but unfortunately like your EAs and your HRs and all these acronym jobs They don't seem to – I've never had a very good rapport. So that rapport has been really difficult. And um, I I think it's – a lot of it 
is gender because um, if I would write an email, it would be considered rude. But if um, one of my male coworkers would write the same email in the same words, it wouldn't be considered rude. It would be considered assertive, like mm-hmm. he was being assertive. But I, I, like because I didn't write, thanks, babe, or a little X after it, or I didn't soften myself. Mm-hmm. I'm a bitch. You see, yeah, that's that's really disheartening because, um, of like I said, being a child of the '80s, I was raised to think, you know, Angelica's mom, like you could be a power suit lady and have pointy shoulder pads, and you'd be taken seriously. But then. You sort of, it, that's not the world we live in. The world we mm-hmm. live in judges purely on um, appearance and gender and still, which is incredibly disappointing. But, um, yeah, that's that's something that I've really struggled with. So you've had some, sort of a tough time and some tough experiences in that larger corporate culture. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Except for Cotton On. When I worked at Cotton On, it was such a gender-friendly, you know, it, it was a it was the only experience that I've ever had in the workplace where I felt like it didn't matter who I was, what I was, it mattered what I was creating. So, mm. yeah, that was probably the happiest uh, professional time that I've had. Got yeah. It. So then I want to go down to a specific design or project. Um, take us to a designer project you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what was that like and how did that feel? Um, probably um, one of the workplaces I was in, they kind of went, they went generic template sort of, um, they went with one of the branding agencies. So you know these places, they constantly um, comment on my work sometimes. Then I look at their stuff and it's like, how to get more followers, branding, branding, branding. And they've got like 30 followers. And I'm like, I'm not sure if you could help me. <laughs> but um, yeah, one of the executives had a great idea to get one of those places on board. And so basically we were making stuff from templates um, that was horrific. And and the colors didn't relate to like the consumer. And yeah, it was just really disheartening. It was basically hand on your mouse. Um, so... I think the way I got around it was just trying to find joy in those other side jobs and mm. trying to um, pick up freelance on the outside. And I think this is something that I definitely say to other creatives as well. Always do your, this is, this is what you asked me to do and this is what I think you should do, which, you know, in your head you're going, your idea sucks, look yeah. at my idea. <laughs> but, um, and I think that it's good because sometimes – you know, usually you'll get your way and they'll go with your idea. Um, but if they don't, then you've got good stuff to keep for your folio because you're not constantly represented by something you didn't want to do. And it's almost like that situation where you're doing what they want, but also showing what the direction you think they should go. That's like a really good opportunity to create conversation around it. And, and the why, why should we yeah. go in your direction rather than this direction? Um, you know, what's the pros and cons and benefits of that? Yeah, yeah. And I found um, at certain times, especially like a lot of companies in Australia, they've got a process of restructuring. Mm -hmm. So you will get people that if you're in a a process of restructuring, they're going into these big board meetings. So, you know, they just want to just go, just shut up with your creative opinions and just make this for me because I need to represent this on my behalf. And then, you know, you'll get the guy at the top say, 
I think this is crap. And you're like, dude, I didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) I was forced to make it. So that's why you always make your own stuff. And then Mr. Important Dude walks behind your desk and goes, hey, that looks great. You're like, see, (laughs) see what you should have had. (laughs) So I think that's really important. Make sure. Make sure you're brave enough to sort of, and make sure you're brave enough to say, no, I think this sucks. Like, you know, people aren't going to like it, but at the end of the day, if you're in charge of creative and the creative output is compromised and terrible because someone who has zero, like, creative ability or knowledge Mm -hmm. is saying, this is what I know, this is what I think looks good. And you know what? To them, it probably genuinely does look good. But unfortunately, it's not going to translate to the consumer because, you know, the majority of people, they don't know why they pick up something with a beautiful font, with a beautiful color scheme, but it's Moorish and they want to touch it and it's tactile and they're like, they want to have it. Mm-hmm. And, and these people don't know how to create those things. So it's, it's that whole, you know, hire people to do the job that you ask them to do, you know. It's a trust and then, you know, know your stuff and know the market enough that you're able to answer that question of why. Yeah. And Um, that's a big difficulty. I get a lot of messages on Instagram. People say, hey, can you do a logo for me? And then I'm like, okay, do you have your name? Sort of what what do you want to go with? Because I'm not going to do a full brand. If you want me to just do a logo, I'm not going to do a competitor analysis, you know, and for me, it's strategic and it's a bit like war. I want to know who are the competitors. I want to smash the competitors. What does good look like? That's like the first thing that I do. Okay, what mm-hmm. does good look like? So I'll do a lot of research and then I'll go, okay, so this is what good looks like. This is our market. If we take bits and pieces from here but then, you know, shake it up and make it like this, that I really think that's a, a targeted, you know, perfect mission to sort of complete. So a lot of people sort of go, but a logo, it's not important. Just make a pretty little picture. And you're just like, oh. And that's when you, you know, you do the eye roll so badly you flip you flip over like one yeah. of those little wind-up dogs. Yeah, that's the <laughs> thank you next moment. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Unfortunately, like now that I'm in a position where I can sort of uh, pick and choose a lot of jobs, like I'm getting involved in a, a video arcade, which couldn't be more up my alley. Cool. So that's exciting. But I've done some random stuff in my time. But um, this seems like something that will really sort of suit my natural disposition for all things fun and um, not conceited. So yeah, that's cool. Good. It makes it so much easier to put your heart into it. Yeah, definitely. And when people actually believe in me, the person that I'm working with, she has total faith in me and she's a real alpha female. Um, she will get the best of me. She will get me working harder and doing things that aren't part of, you know, the contracted package that Mm -hmm. I wouldn't normally do purely for the fact that I appreciate that she's letting me, you know, run, run wild with the creative. So I had had a client recently and I said, you know, do you want me to do this? I, it was a rebranding and I'm like, or do you want me to go rogue? And he goes, you know what? I looked at your stuff. I like your stuff. That's why I contacted you. Go rogue. So and, and it came out great and he was happy, I was happy. And he's like, you're the easiest person I've ever dealt with. And I'm like, honestly, it's because you let me do what I do mm-hmm. without holding my hand or because you do this big loop this like, and it's a total waste of time and you come back to what you would have given them in the first place. But you've gone through, they want to learn how to be a designer. And they're like, what if we did this? What if we did that? And you're like, <laughs> please stop, make it stop. <laughs> but yeah. You get those those unicorn clients that you're just like, ah, oh, this person was a legend. So yeah, yeah, it, it's just easy with people like that for sure. And it, 
and it feels like easy money. And he was just like, you know, oh, you know, is that all I owe you? And it's just like, you know, it it was fast and it was quick because I'm very fast. When I don't have to do the ping pong back and forth, you know, they see something else. Oh, but maybe it should be pink or maybe it should be blue. And it's like the reason it's this color is because A, B, C, D. And if you have someone who takes you seriously without going, oh, you're a girl or, you know, a lot of people think that I'm a lot younger than what I am as well. And it's just kind of like I don't have to wear a power suit and and do these sort of things to make you believe in me mm-hmm. just look at the work and that's why I like Instagram because there's no there's no pictures of my face or you know there's no pictures let of the work speak yeah yeah let the work speak for me instead of me speaking for me because usually I put my foot in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you then what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now um Probably time, of course. I have a baby, so I've got like a – it's like having a little kitty under your desk. He's um, crawling, so that's interesting. Um, and It's a little bit where to go. Um, I've got that sort of fork in the road. Do I go back to my – do I go back to my position um, after my maternity leave ends, which is, you know, senior creative manager, and then you climb the ladder and then you become something else and then something else or – do I just do freelance and just keep doing what I, you know, what I love doing and just hope that the work won't dry up? So that's always difficult for a, a creative, you know, to, to take the wage or to take the chance. Mm-hmm. And, and it's more difficult because you have a family and, and I guess, you know, you can relate to this. Um, having children and responsibilities, you know, that's why I would definitely say to young creatives, before you have those responsibilities, you know, take chances, look stupid, you know, send people emails, say, can I come and work at your studio? And I did that when I was younger and I worked at some amazing studios. I worked at XYZ Studios, which if you don't know them, Google them as well. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked at Allura, which um, they do um, After Effects and stuff. They're, they're amazing as well. So, you know, and then I really got to look at, do I want to work in that sort of – because I wanted to do uh, animation and the animators just sit in a pitch black room and these guys look – there was no girls, there's not one girl. <laughs> these guys looked so unhappy and it's all I ever wanted to do and it was like that moment when I was a kid and it was like, but I want to be an archaeologist like Indiana Jones. And it's like, you're not good enough at maths and science to do that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the real world hurts. It hurts my feelings. Oh, no. so. <laughs> okay, so I want to switch gears now and I want to get into something happy here. So tell yeah. us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that makes your heart sing. I don't know. Um, you know what? I... To think about projects through the years, are probably the projects, just T-shirt graphics made me happy and it wasn't a full project but just sort of um, the trend team at Cotton On would sort of brief you in on certain trends mm-hmm. and then would make them, you know, a whole lot of T-shirts to go with that and I, I found that the most creatively stimulating especially because we had a the trend director, she she knew that I was really saturated in pop culture. So she would refer to things like movies and TV shows and mm-hmm. things she knew that I would know about. And she'd be like, you know, think about, um, you know, this person and, and this time. And I'm like, oh, yes, I know exactly what you're saying. So I found that really enjoyable. But 
Um, I've kind of got a side project at the moment. I want to try and start a foundation just about highlighting great female designers in history because I just sort of got this little bee in my bonnet that they're always a footnote. And this is what I've sort of found now that I'm, I've had time to sort of just chill at home and, you know, I'm not sort of sitting in traffic for most of my day, which is horrible. Um, so that I think that's going to be something that hopefully I'll be the most proud of because I feel like they need to sort of, you know, get out of the footnotes of history and out in front and sort of go, you know what, I don't know if Nike would be that great without that swoosh. Mm-hmm. So instead of sort of, you know, and I love Steve Jobs, but instead of seeing the guy that's on stage going, you know, we made millions of profits and we did this, you know, let's just shine the light on the little girl behind the computer screen going, oh, hey, I made that, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I feel like when people see that swoosh, they should think, Carolyn Davidson, you know, they should see at the 75-year-old woman. You probably, I think she um, she volunteers at a hospital. And if you saw this 75-year-old lady, would you think that, you know, and then you see some cool guy walk past with all this, like hooked up with all this awesome Nike gear, he probably wouldn't even look twice at her and he doesn't even know that a 75-year-old lady made that swoosh. She made that logo. And it's the most simple, brilliant, beautiful piece of graphics that, are, and I think most people would agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. So I that, feel like he should be a household name. Yeah, there's um, a group that you should get linked up to. They may might even have um, a Melbourne chapter. Um, but have you heard Ooh. of Ladies Wine and Design? No, oh. I do like wine though. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely look. Um, just Google Ladies Wine and Design um, and yep. see if they have a chapter in your area. Cool. All right. That would be a good community. I think you'd enjoy being plugged into. Will do. I also want to like, it'd be good to to hang out with like-minded people, but I also want to put it out in the face of people. Like I I had the unfortunate experience. My son had a presentation at school Mm -hmm. and um, his teacher, before she started, she said, okay, we're doing PowerPoints, which they use PC at school, poor poor kids. Um, And my son, first she said, oh, now look, we're doing PowerPoints. The boys are very good at tech, but the girls aren't very good. And I was like, oh, and I was like, I can't. Yeah, this, this is me just like throwing down my purse on the inside. And then she she started Googling and she was messing around and something and all the girls sort of seemed deflated and they're sitting there. And I said, hey, girls, do you see that Google logo? A woman designed the first Google logo. That's why it looks like that. And I'm like, you know Wi-Fi? A woman named Hedy Lamar, she helped create Wi-Fi. And the girls were just like, and the teacher goes, is that true? And it's just like, why is this not common knowledge? So I, I had a chat with the principal yesterday and she said that I could come and do a talk and present to all the girls of the girls and the boys, because, you know, without men that believe in women, you know, we don't have a chance. Mm-hmm. And if they believe this twisted narrative that some people have in their head that we still don't have equality, it's like they're listening to this female teacher talk down about women. And it's just like, no, I won't have it. I'm going to be loud about it. <laughs> uh, good for you, Kenny. That's good. Speak up. Thanks, man. So I want to get to the pay it, uh, pay it forward or ask it forward question. So this is your chance to ask a question of the next guest. And the next Mm -hmm. guest, like I said before, is my 50th episode guest. So no pressure. But while you're thinking of one, I want to ask you the question um, that the last guest wanted to ask you. Oh, okay. All right. So the question is, um, if time, resources, and costs were not a factor, what pop 
culture character mask or costume would you put together for a Halloween costume? Oh, oh, um, I love like Marie Antoinette, but like have all the black blood dripping down and stuff just to have that huge hair. (laughs) And she was an amazing woman. Like people sort of see her as that sort of indulgent woman who said, let them eat cake and didn't give a shit. But you know, she seemed like she had a really rough time of it. If you actually read into it and, Mm -hmm. you know, I I couldn't imagine it would have been easy, but oh yeah, that would definitely be my, my idea of the, the best Halloween outfit. That's awesome. I love that answer. So do you have a question in mind that you'd like me to ask that 50th guest? I do. I do. And it's a bit cheeky and it's a bit related to me. A typical designer. It's all about me. (laughs) Um, Do do they know who designed the Nike swoosh? Ooh. Uh, yeah, they go on top out of curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity. <laughs> My hunch is yes. Uh, <laughs> it's probably, but... <laughs> it's probably the, the art director of Nike and he's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the designer herself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh man, wouldn't that be a disaster? That would be perfect. That would, and if anyone who knows me is listening, would be like, that is perfectly candy because she's always putting her foot in her mouth. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. So you're going to have to tune in to hear the 50th guest answer that question. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, out of time for my 30 minute quickie episode here. But I wanted to say thank you so much for being on the show today, Candy. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, guys. Tomorrow, episode 50 of the Quickie Podcast goes up. I'm so excited to share that interview with you tomorrow morning, share that guest with you, and to tease it just a wee little bit. I got one question for you. Do you like yogurt? My second question, I guess, to tease that is, do you like yogurt with awesome packaging design? I know I do. That's it. See you tomorrow.